Did the pride of Canada, Aubrey Graham, a.k.a. Drake, sniff this out a year in advance? The guy comes out with the song you're hearing a little bit of in the background of Sticky. And now here on May 17th, 2023 on Fox Sports 95.9-980, we're talking about the Yankees and the Blue Jays in a sticky situation. No way did I think this was going to happen. I thought maybe a, a, a fight... Maybe a bench-clearing brawl. Maybe a viral clip of Vlad Jr. or Aaron Judge or Boone. Someone yelling at somebody. But not what Domingo Herman did. We make predictions on the show. We give you the play of the day. Thanks to Mohawk Chevrolet at the end of the show. We're going to talk about games and fantasy. You get the show. You get what we do here. If I told you the safest bet, and I did say this yesterday. If I told you the safest bet for Blue Jays-Yankees on Tuesday night, what it would have been is that every umpire's eye would have been looking a little bit closer at everything going on in the field. From looks to the dugout, to how guys are interacting coming on and off the field, to some chirping in the dugout. Every umpire was on high alert. And we knew that as fans. We knew that as media members. Everybody knew that going into the game after the Aaron Judge controversial look over to the bench and the Blue Jays admitting their signs got stolen. We all knew that something was coming Tuesday night north of the border. So New York Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman, as you've just heard, decides to go out to the mound. And as some umpires have said post-game, it's the stickiest hand they've ever seen. Maybe you could get away with a little bit. Maybe you could do your typical move. It's not as goofy as it was a few years ago. Remember when Michael Pineda was like, no, I don't have anything on me. What? And it looks like a kid who said he didn't eat cake and the cake's all over his face. It wasn't as bad as Pineda a few years ago. And that was just like, come on, man. What are you doing? But Domingo Herman, you really didn't think anybody would look? I saw the footage of inside the dugout, zoomed in. Herman's like, I, I don't know why they threw me out. He's like wiping it off in his pants. His pants are a color completely different now than what was just on his hand. He's trying to like get up on the inner thigh so no one's going to be looking. Come on, Domingo Herman. what are we doing? Even the Toronto Blue Jays postgame was a little tick. Here's the Blue Jays postgame responding to Herman. Six innings to officially, correctly finish the game. So the message is cheat until you get caught. Right. That's the message that's being right. sent. Well, I'll say this much, uh, Kennedy Ivanka, this series, unlike Herman's hands, doesn't <laughs> lack substance, right? It's... <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> wow. What was lamer? The laugh at the end or the joke made there? Oh, God. That's the definition of cringe. There is maybe a point in there somewhere, though, of that Blue Jays postgame soundbite. Did Domingo Herman really think he was going to get away with it? That, you know, it actually bothers me more today. I'm actually bothered a lot more by Domingo Herman's move last night than Aaron Judge's. Because if you missed yesterday, don't forget you can always listen to LeVac and Gaza on demand, Apple, Spotify, 95.9980, and that HD Radio 1031-2. Nice clear signal wherever you listen in the capital region. This one bothers me a lot more than the Judge thing. Because we can't really confirm what Aaron Judge was looking at, even though we've kind of figured it out. Yeah, we're looking at the dugout. Yeah, we figured out the signs. Hey, let's give... Kudos for sniffing out our play, sniffing out what we're going to call. That's a part of strategy. We all do it in any type of sport, game, whatever it is. Okay. 
This is just trying to cheat and getting caught. This is just so obvious. Yankee fan, help me here. Defend your guy, Domingo Herman. <laughs> Come on. And Tom Goss, T-O-M-G, it was easy. You know, for the haters that are out there for the New York Yankees, for the Aaron Judge haters, because it could be Red Sox fans, right here in your home for the Red Sox, it could be Oriole fans, it could be anybody who doesn't root for the New York Yankees. If you just hate the pinstripes, you maybe tried taking a swing at them yesterday with Judge and saying, see, if it wasn't the Yankees, someone would accuse him of cheating. See, if it wasn't Aaron Judge, this would be a bigger story. You could maybe have sat on that take, which I think is wrong, but you could have tried to build a case anti-Yankee from yesterday. Doesn't take much work today to build that case. When you got a million plus views on multiple video clips today across social media, fans looking and being like, I mean, it's something. Yeah. Three innings. Perfect. They checked him out. They spotted it. The umpire said it's the most they've ever seen. Yeah. I would say so. Domingo Herman, according to some reports, apologized to his teammates following the game. Herman's quote, quote, I've got to apologize to my teammates and my team. I'm putting them in a tough position right now after getting checked out of the game. Tossed, ejected. You think? That's what you don't want around your franchise and your team. The accusations of cheating have been around baseball for a long time. But more recently, with Houston and to a lesser extent Boston and New York, but more so Houston and the trash cans and the Altuve tattoo and everything else. But then you get this. Wouldn't it be nice if professional sports, Major League Baseball, can start with this? The rumor's that it's going to be a 10-game suspension for Herman. Wouldn't it be nice if you got a stupidity suspension? Look, we're going to suspend you 10 games, but you're so dumb you get another four. Hey, you kicked a fan. We didn't think we'd have to write this one down. You can't, again, just an example, Ron Artest, right? We didn't think we had to write that one down. So it's so dumb, you're getting more games. A stupidity suspension, I am pro, ready, supporting to do in professional sports with stuff like this. So Yankee fan, you had a 24-hour period there that you could defend your team, say we weren't cheating, my squad doesn't do that, blah, blah, blah. It was fine. And then you really had to defend yourself. But today's a little tougher. Today's a little odder when Domingo Herman is doing stuff like that. You still win the game. Still happens. Aaron Judge got booed. And Toronto's manager, John Snyder, called Judge's look kind of odd. But that's all yesterday's news. Today's the Yankees opening themselves up to criticism as a franchise for how dumb Domingo Herman was last night. And I get it. He's... What, a handful of pitchers now in baseball that have got busted for this? Max Scherzer had his meltdown for the New York Mets earlier this year when he got busted for it as well. But this is far worse of a look for Domingo Herman when he runs to the dugout after it happens. He's wiping down on a towel. You can see it on his pants. He's rubbing it against his belt. Come on. So Yankees win that game 6-3 to three over the Toronto Blue Jays last night. You can let us know what you think about Domingo Herman. I'm willing to hear someone try to defend what happened yesterday. I don't think that's going to happen. Blatant cheating. I would like to give him 15 games of four to five games more for stupidity. The Yankees are somehow finding ways to win against a good Blue Jay team. And I say finding ways to win because it's the game has now become secondary back-to-back nights. The Aaron Judge home runs where he's blasting signs out in the outfield because he's launching the ball so far have become secondary to the storyline surrounding 
mid-May baseball in the AL East. Don't forget, you can always be a part of the show also by calling at 518-690-0980, 518-690-0980. So you have one New York team trying to get away from the claims of cheating and getting advantages and everything else, and that's the Yankees. And on the other side, the New York Mets are struggling to find some offense, but how about the Mets? We'll say this, taking a page out of the Yankees' playbook. Maybe that's too easy here over the last 48 hours. Copying, trying to find an advantage. Okay, I won't even stretch that any further. They're calling up a prospect to add a spark to the lineup. Aaron Judge was this guy a few years ago. Gary Sanchez was this guy a few years ago. Now the Mets have done this. Mark Vientos is joining the Major League Baseball roster. He's been tearing it up in Syracuse. We're going to reach out to our guy, Michael Tricarico, AAA broadcaster for the Syracuse Mets. We're going to offer some insight on what Mets fans can expect out of Vientos who is scheduled to join the team this week. If you haven't been following Vientos and what he's been doing at the Syracuse level in AAA, top 10 prospect in the pipeline. Guy's been hitting over 330. And maybe more importantly is this stat. He has already, through mid-May, hit 13 home runs in less than 40 games. The New York Mets hit a home run last night. Okay, guys. Yeah, but do you know... Before last night, the last time the Mets at the Major League level had hit a home run? 56 innings ago. That's right. Quick math. Seven games ago. The New York Mets, who were talked about as a World Series favorite coming out of the National League, with Steve Cohen spending as much money as he possibly can. Before last night, they had gone 56 consecutive innings without hitting a home run. You want to talk about power and impact. Vientos has to be that guy. If New York wants to catch Atlanta and everything else, I love this stuff, though. When you get the young prospect coming up to the big leagues, getting the fan bases excited, finding out if he can just be a big-time bat in the order, that stuff New York can get behind and get excited about. Somebody in his early 20s, all good stuff for the Mets. you got to find offense. You've got a power hitter in AAA right now. You hope that you can find that hot streak with him. I looked back in 2022 and that July-August window. Remember when they had, look, Daniel Vogelbach is still there. He's not cranking home runs like he did last season, but the big fella, the lefty, it felt like every single night in late July and early August was cranking home runs, and he was on every highlight you could find. Now, can you get that many highlights that fast? The expectations might be too high, and Vogelbach right now has got less than three home runs in May. But this is what the New York Mets need, something different, something unique to add to this lineup, and it seems as if this could be the guy, Vientos, the power hitter from Central New York coming up to help out the Mets offense. So there you go in the New York baseball world. You've got the Yankees another night with the cheating accusations being thrown out there. The New York Mets are struggling, but they're looking towards the future. Six and a half games back from the Atlanta Braves, so still definitely a lot of baseball left to be played. We know that, and Atlanta's really good right now. So Yankees making headlines. Mets making headlines nationally. Oh, yeah. You know, we mentioned this a few minutes ago here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. We are the home for the Boston Red Sox. You can listen to Red Sox baseball right here. Coverage tonight gets underway again at 6-10 with first pitch set for 7-10 against the Seattle Mariners. And Seattle picked up game one in this series. But how about Boston ending that four-game losing streak against Seattle last night? Red Sox fan, you're probably thinking, like, hey, what about us? We were one of the hottest teams in baseball just a few weeks ago, and we evened out. We lost six of the next seven, but what about us, guys? Give us some love over here.
Boston is three games above 500. 23 total victories. 23 is a significant number because less than four wins in the win column, they'd basically be in first place in every other division in baseball except the NL West, the Dodgers, Oh, yeah, and the Tampa Bay Rays in their own division. Everybody else is sitting around that 25-26 mark. Here's Boston at 23, thinking everything's going fine, and they find themselves in the basement of the AL East. We'll find out how the Red Sox can, I guess, change their ways, continue to be more competitive, find a way in which this team can keep pace with Tampa in New York, in Baltimore, in Toronto, and stay at least relative on a national scale. We know regionally Red Sox fans, there's a lot of love here, even in upstate New York in the capital region. So again, for the third day in a row, we're going to be joined by our friend Brady Farkas, who covers the team in New England out in Vermont. We're going to talk a little Celtics game one Eastern Conference finals as well as they host the Miami Heat. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. So it should be still a good night for Boston sports fan as well with the Red Sox in action and the Celtics in action. You were hoping at this point too, the Bruins would be action. Paste going for a Stanley Cup. Sorry, Doug Gowdy from WGY Mornings. Wish your Bruins were still in it. But that stuff is all coming up on the way. And again, LeVac is in Orlando, and you might hear some content coming from Florida. It's been a little bit tougher as we get into day three of the Orlando trip to track down LeVac, find out exactly where he is. I got a text from him the other day that somehow he had turned into the genie from Aladdin. His face was blue, and I'm like... Might be a little bit more difficult to get some content out of him today, will it? But that's all right. You might hear from LeVac. If not, you can always connect with him on social media as well to get his take about his Yankees as well, at the Jeff LeVac on Twitter. So coming up on the way, how about this? We're talking about Capital Region. We're talking about the sports that you love and the teams that you support, the voice of the Capital Region sports fan. It has been, what, seven, maybe eight years since this guy's voice has been heard in the 518 on a local show? You hear him right here on Fox Sports Radio. You might hear him on the weekends. He's got some weekday shifts coming up as well. Brian No returns. You know that name. Brian No, the No Show as well. He's going to offer his take on what's going on in baseball, the NBA, Giants, Jets, Bills fans. There's a lot of good stuff on the way for you as well. That's all coming up right here on the voice of the Capital Region Sports fan. Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. LeVac here for USX Pest Control. The non-chemical exclusion system is amazing. I had Tim from USX come out to the house. He walked around. He showed me where the potential problem spots would be and what we would need to do to make sure that I didn't have to worry about invasive, you know, little rodents and nastiness. We went around the attic. I learned about bats, where they come from, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, mice in the basement, how you can tell whether or not they've been there, all these things. And then, get this, I find out one of the houses across the street has a termite problem. I called Tim over at USX Pest Control. Let him know. He said, here's why you're safe. A lot of concrete between you and that. However, we're going to go ahead and take a look and make sure it's okay. It is amazing how, how just better I feel, how much safer, how much just more relaxed I am with my house because of USX Pest Control, part of the Gagne family of brands. You may remember Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USXPest.com. LeVac and Goss here on Fox 95, 9 and 980. This is the Capital Region return. Look, you hear his voice here in the 518 across the Capital Region right here on Fox Sports, but it's been a while since a little local programming has had the return of Brian No. 
here in the 518. Brian, welcome back, sort of, to the Capital Region Airwaves. I appreciate that. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think. It's been freaking years. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've done some uh, 518 stuff. So I love being back, man. This is great. We are happy to have you back. Now, maybe for some people, this could be the first time they know about Brian. Now, where can they hear you? We'll, we'll plug you out of the gates first. Where can they hear you on Fox Sports 980 and 95.9 throughout the weekday and weekend? What's your schedule been like here in the summer and into the fall and into the winter? Well, it'll be just random fill-in here, there, everywhere. Um, like, uh, I'll be in for Ben Maller Sunday into Monday morning for the overnight crazies. And then I'll be on with uh, Chris Broussard, the odd couple, on Tuesday next week. So it's just random fill-in stuff weekday-wise. But uh, weekends, Saturdays from 9 a.m. till noon. And then Sunday evenings, they have me at a 5 to 8 p.m. So random swing shift action on the weekends and then sporadic random fill-in stuff during the week is where I'm at. I'll say a prayer for the Mauler Army that usually is out at night. Those guys are – it's an interesting bunch that comes out at night out there, isn't it? Yeah, the militia, they're a, they're a wild ragtag group over there, but I love them, you know? you got to embrace the crazies over here. you got to embrace the crazies in radio or you'll never make it. And that's f- my advice for everyone out there. That's very good <laughs> advice for young UAlbany and Santa students. And by the way, the fact that I call them the Army instead of the militia, I'll see my Twitter light up here over the next 48 hours just for that mistake alone. All right, let's talk a little New York sports here. Let's start. I, I want to get into the Aaron Judge stuff, but I kind of want to go back to the Knicks a little bit because the Knicks had their opportunity Against the Miami Heat, Knicks fans were getting excited here in the Capital Region that maybe the conference finals was a possibility to take on Boston. When you look at this New York Knicks season, how should New York fans view it? And what do you view the future as for the New York franchise? It's like, you know, it they fire you up and then they let you down, you know? Yep. And it doesn't take a whole lot to fire up the Knicks faithful. I love them. God bless them, you know? I mean, it's almost like if you're hungry and you give them like uh, like some soggy ramen noodles, they're just like, this is amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they they win game one of the first round, they're going freaking ballistic. So I love them. I say don't lose that. But then it stinks where you know the crash ending is right around the corner, and that's what happened against an eight seed in the Miami Heat. And give Miami credit, I'm not going to reduce them to a, a standard eight seed because they beat the Bucks and they beat them in a gentleman sweep, even though Giannis was down for two and a half games. But Miami is a good team. But, man, the way that the Knicks lost, it's not just who they lost to, it's the way they lost. And Jalen Brunson, the last two games of that series, was fantastic. And he's like, like uh, what, Tom... Cruz and uh, Jerry Maguire, like, who's coming with me? And there was no one standing up willing to come along with Jalen Brunson where he goes for 40-plus in the elimination game. And you're just like, Barrett, where are you? Julius Randle, where are you? And so it's just as frustrating as it can get for the Knicks season ending the way that it did. Now for the future. Do Knicks fans try to bring in somebody like Embiid? Damian Lillard is the roster good as it is. I feel like I've done this like 10 summers in a row that New York needs a superstar in the summer of 2023 doesn't feel much different. Yeah, they definitely need that. If they could get Embiid, that would be awesome. 
if they could end up with Dame Dalla, that would be great. I don't know if he is willing to do that. That's the other part of that equation is Dame has been so faithful. Some would say faithful to a fault with Portland, but is he willing to go somewhere else? That's the first part of it. And then how could he coexist with Jalen Brunson? I mean, it's, you know, it's not worlds different than when he had CJ McCollum as his teammate in Portland for all those years. It was just an undersized backcourt. So, I don't know if that gets you anywhere. If that gets you over the top, I would bet against it. But I definitely see the the need for change because you can't just run it back and expect to get anywhere. It's like uh, you look at Julius Randle. He's used up his last get-out-of-Knicks-Jail-free card, and you got to move on, man. you got to cut bait. you got to do something to shake it up because as good as that guy is at times, he completely vanishes at the worst possible times, and it is just time to move on from that. It's LeVac and Goss here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. Capital Region sports fans may remember him in the past. We're so happy to have him back. It's Brian No, You can hear him all across from weekdays to weekends here on Fox Sports. So earlier in the week, the big headline here in New York was on the baseball side. It wasn't just the Knicks getting knocked off. It was this controversy involving Aaron Judge kind of peeking over to the Toronto Blue Jay dugout and then looking back and then cranking homers. What did you make of the Aaron Judge, and I'm going to put it in air quotes so Twitter's nice to me, sign stealing involving the Blue Jays and the pinstripes? Well, you know, I think that he's got to have some crazy, like, peripheral, I don't even know how to say that word, peripheral? How do you say that? That's it. Oh, he shuts me up. (laughs) Peripheral, peripheral, I think is what it is. His peripheral vision must be out freaking standing. If he's just glancing over and trying to pick up signs, he did it for like a second and a half. I don't know how he'd ever pick up anything that way. I know the conspiracy theorists are out there because he did hit a home run in that at bat, but his version was hey, the. They were still squawking about balls and strikes, and he just happened to peek over. I I don't call foul on that because even if he was peeking over for some signs, I don't know that he could actually steal them that way. I I think that his sign stealing would be – he'd have a Ph.D. in sign stealing. If he's stealing signs while looking like cross – I don't know, like uh, not really cross-eyed, but his little side view – well, he's doing that. I just, I, I don't see him being able to pick up signs like that. I, maybe I'm naive, but I just, I don't think he's got game like that. I don't know what hitter who does. I'm trying to think in my head here. What Avenger has that eyesight? Is it Iron Man? Is it Hawkeye? Is it, did he get some type of superpower? I know he's big like the Hulk, but I'm with you on this. It would have to take some type of Avenger like superpower to have that go that fast into his mind to pick up the sign and swing it like that. Yeah, and I think it's one of these things in sports, right, where a lot of the calls, when you slow it down frame by frame, it's, it just seems so much different. If you play that in just live speed, it looks so much different because everything that I've seen is in super, super slow-mo. And it seems like, oh, gosh, he can you know, basically do his taxes in the same amount of time where he was looking over to the dugout. It's, it was like, ha-ha, <laughs> it was like, 
Chris Rock said in Bigger and Blacker years and years ago. It was a little, <laughs> that's all it was. So I don't think he picked up anything that quickly. So we've got the Yankees doing this. The Mets are trying to find their footing. But let's take a little step back overall for baseball in 2023 because it's fun now in mid-May where rather than us talking about the storylines of baseball is too slow and they've got to change things and they got to fix this and they got to fix they've actually changed things and for most fans they're enjoying the new product especially the pitch clock and how it's changed the game for you what are you what have you made of the recent rule changes in baseball and are you enjoying how it's changed the product I do yeah I've loved it overall I think that the uh, pitch clock has been great I think just the amount of action that you get and I don't know about you guys. I used to like the way I used to watch baseball. If I had a game on in the background, I'd just be on the computer. I'd be reading something. I'd glance up, you know, there was a pitch and it's like, okay, it's going to take who knows how long for the next pitch. And now it's not like that. It keeps me focused on the game a lot more. And there have been plenty of times where I look up and I'm like, man, we're in the fifth inning already. And that's a good thing. I know the counter arguments where you go to the game and you just want to chill and you want to watch it. And I don't know anyone who's against more bang for your buck and just more action. Like, I don't know about you. I would rather have a game that has more action is, and is two and a half hours than a game that's three hours and the action is more spread out. That's just me. I'm totally for more action keeping me engaged. It's an ADD sports world, and you can't have that many lulls in between all those pitches and expect people to stay plugged in. It's just not going to happen. I thought it was a needed change, and I think it's been fantastic for the game. I'm totally with you on that take, too. Looking at baseball, maybe you did stuff in the background doing work, and all right, I'll step out of the room and go do something that'll be in the same inning. Not the case. And for fans who've gone to the game, you used to hop in the line for the beer, the hot dog. Oh, maybe I'll miss a few outs. Now you're up there. You might miss an inning or two if you get in too long of a line. It's changed everything when it comes to the product. Brian No joining us here on Fox Sports Radio 95.9 and 980. Now the NFL kicks off in a few months. We're post the NFL draft, but... We know football is a 24-7, 365 sport. The most recent news involved the NFL schedule release. Looking over the NFL schedule, is there a game or two that pops out to you? Is there one big headline from just a few days ago where you think and say, boy, it's only four months away, but I'm so fired up for this game to come? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm fired up for anything involving ball. You know, mm-hmm. when the NFL rolls around, I'm watching. I don't care who it is. But the thing that caught my attention the most is them trying to shoehorn the Detroit Lions into a team that supposedly matters. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, fine. I love Dan Campbell. I love them on hard knocks. I love the stories. I love that they're grinders. But the first game of the year, I mean, trust me, I'll be watching it from beginning to end. And it might be a great game. But in terms of the matchup, and the buildup heading into the game. You can't tell me that Jared Goff taking on Patrick Mahomes. I know we're building this as far as the quarterback matchup. I know they're not on the field at the same time. But a lot of these games are promoted with the quarterback matchup. Goff versus Mahomes is not as good as Burrow versus Mahomes, Josh Allen versus Mahomes, on and on and on. That game, I looked at their home schedule for the Chiefs, I can't sneak the Lions in the top five. You got the Eagles. You got an international game with the Dolphins. You got the other teams that I mentioned, the Bills and Bengals. Like, 
I don't know what they're doing. I really don't. So I'll be watching Lions Chiefs from beginning to end, but I can't tell you that's the best matchup that they could have kicked off the season with. I was surprised about that, but I'm really curious to see how that game goes because they would love, they would love to see the Lions be a good team in the NFC and kind of pick up where the Packers might be leaving off as they lose Aaron Rodgers. I just think that it's putting the the B stage band on the A stage. It's like, well, what is what is 311 doing on the A stage? Like, goodness, they belong in the C stage over there. You know, that's how I feel about the Lions. Somebody with, like, math and safer metrics and analytics could tell us, well, the formula worked out where Detroit had to be week one. No, no, no. You could have changed the formula. You didn't have to give us Detroit week one. That's absolutely right. And the other thing that's jumped out to me involved in the NFL schedule is the holidays. You've got action on yeah. Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, Christmas, Black Friday. It seems like if you want to spend time with your family, it might be a good distraction if you don't want to spend time with your family because the NFL's got every day covered, it seems, in 2023. It cracks me up, man, because you'll hear this right with the, uh, the college football playoff. It's about to expand to 12 teams next year. And there are a couple of weeks, the first two weeks of the playoffs, they will go head-to-head with the NFL. And you hear some of these college commissioners and presidents, and they're like, well, you know, we're going to talk to the NFL about that because college football is sort of the feeder system to the NFL, and maybe they'll kind of give us a break and not schedule games on the day of college football playoff games. And I'm like, yeah, don't hold your breath on that, okay? Because they're already doing it. Not only are they gangsters with the NBA's Christmas Day, right? They're like, oh, that's your little real estate? Yeah, let's, uh, let's change that. Now they have triple headers yearly. And they're having Black Friday. That, game, that used to be a big college football day. And so it just cracks me up. The NFL, they are trying to just – get every piece of real estate and God bless them. It's capitalism at its finest. But I just love these college commissioners that are like, yeah, for the first round of the playoffs with three games going up against NFL games, we're going to talk to them and see if they can kind of help us out. Yeah. They're not going to newsflash. They're not going to be doing that. It has been long overdue for capital region sports fans to have this local five, one eight connection back on local radio here on the Fox side, Brian. No, you can catch him weekends, weekdays, follow him on social media for all the updates, his takes and more. We are so happy to have you back. And trust me when I say this, this will not be the last time your phone rings and you get a text message from LeVac and guys. LeVac is not here for this interview. I know you guys have worked together in the past. He's out in Florida right now enjoying the Disney weather. He will be back again soon. You'll be back again soon. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Looking forward to continuing this relationship on Fox Sports for the future. Guys, anytime, man. I love... uh talking shop with you. Don't lose my number, man. Anytime you want me. And I hope that LeVac does not get the Rona like I did at Disney World just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I hope no. that is not. Yeah, Hang I hope on. that's not the case. I, I wanted to <laughs> sign off, but you can't give me a tease like that. What happened? Was it on Space Mountain? You got the Rona? What happened? I don't know. I would love, guys. I wish, I wish there was surveillance footage. You know what I mean? And it was like that was the moment. And I, I'm so curious what the moment was. I have no idea. You know, was it like a little kid sneezed in my direction? Was it, 
you know, I, uh, I, I touched the seat cushion and that was what did it. And then I scratched my left eye. I don't know. All I know is I got it. And I'm pretty sure it happened there. We, we will test LeVac when he comes back. Thank you for the warning. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk again soon. All right, guys, man. Have a good one, bud. How about elevating your brand with my friends at Elevation 10,000? LeVac, you're with you. And when I talk about elevating your brand, it's the things that you may not think of, or maybe it's a couple things you did think about, but you didn't think of the whole package and how you can take where you are and leave that in the dust and go way all the way up. Elevation 10,000 can do it all for you, whether you're talking about the apparel you wear in the office, apparel you sell, uniforms for Little League, signs, uh, marketing. They do marketing. They're an award-winning video facility they do videos for companies whether it be for promos or commercials and they have a wall of awards for what they've been able to do the beauty of it is is it's soups and soup to nuts man top to bottom whatever you need to elevate your brand elevation 10,000 is gonna be able to help you do just that they even help you with a strategic marketing plan made just for you and your company signs apparel marketing video audio if you need to elevate your brand you need to get a hold of elevation 10,000 it's awesome having Brian Note back on with us. If you missed that interview, check it out on the Apple and Spotify side. Always the podcasts are on demand following the show. Shout out to Brian Note, all the great things he's doing with Fox Sports Radio here. And you can check him out 95.9 and 980. It's almost like you have to, at times, remember the past. Brian, a former voice here in the Capital Region, to understand what's going to happen in the future. And sometimes looking back on the past, and especially the sports world, we lose perspective on those opinions, those takes, those attitudes we had, whether it be on a team, an athlete, a coach, whatever it might be. One of these over the last two to three years that has intrigued me so often as a BD member, sports fan, and more is the name, image, and likeness college football, college basketball, athletics overall for those freshman, first year to senior to COVID senior athletes. Remember two to three years ago, there were legit people arguing that it was going to wreck the future of college sports, that college athletics would never be the same. There was were real takes. Now, look, college athletics is still filled with people trying to jump conference to conference, TV rights that are in the billions of dollars, and athletic directors doing everything they can to make as much money as possible. But as Brian No just said moments ago, capitalism at its finest. People trying to make money and them finding ways to do it might be what's laid out in their job description. Like many of us who work a nine to five, their bosses want us to make some money for the company. And if you're an entrepreneur, you want to make money for your own company. So today, the story, it's one of the biggest talked about stories in mid-May on May 17th. Is that it was announced today that college athletes and EA Sports we're going to come together on the new video game for college football in 2024. Now, you might not be a video game player, but you have to understand the impact of what this has for the future college football fan, and not just college football, but sports fan in general. There are so many people, especially younger fans, who become fans of teams and athletes and more because of what they get to do with their friends. Whether it's something as simple as going out and playing baseball in Little League here in the Capital Region or Pop Warner football, we used to call my old... Uh, younger version of basketball, the Leprechaun League, going out and playing sports with your friends is fun, but there's a new way to connect, and that's gaming and everything else. So it's been 10-plus years since the college football game has been able to get out there, and EA Sports is getting with respective schools and saying, hey, we want you to be in this game, and we're going to pay you to be in the game. 
to offer some more perspective here for non-gamers. Again, back in the day for, let's say, the 2007 Florida Gators football team, a left-handed quarterback that wore number 15, we all know probably was Tim Tebow, but they had to write quarterback number 15. Hey, wait a second, that's Tim Tebow. The names of the athletes were never allowed to be used in the game. Ed O'Bannon, college basketball sued. The world changed since then. But here we sit in 2023, and now athletes can make money off their name, image, and likeness. This is going to be like something we've never seen before in the virtual world in college athletics. But now athletes who might just have a following regionally in their respective schools can now have a following nationally. Now a fan of a program that might sit out of state can follow it from his freshman year all the way to the senior year. A lot of cool things can happen on the way that now the college athletes can be in video games, but the NIL, just a few years ago, people were hating on it. And the number one culprit was Clemson because of Dabo Sweeney. Recently on the Adam Brenneman podcast, Clemson running back Will Shipley said this about NIL at Clemson. And I think a lot of people have a negative perception of, mm. of you know, the two words Clemson and NIL <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. because of, you know, past remarks that Coach Sweeney has made and, um, you know, just the, the reputation of it all. But it's been, it's been great for me yeah. um, to be able to utilize it and, uh, you know, just to be able to give back. You know, that's, that's my biggest thing is I understand that, um, you know, the, the money that I receive or anything along those lines uh, is just temporary. You know, it's small compared to where I want to go and what I want to do in life, um, which is why I, I just try to give back as much as I can, yeah. you know, whether it's buying one of my friends a meal or um, you know donating money to Levine's Children's Hospital, something I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, is, is awesome. Look at this dude going out and not just using the money for himself because he believes he has value for what he does, but helping his teammates buy lunch, working with local charities, Having this platform, an opportunity that maybe Will Shipley, I know he's a highly touted recruit, maybe he'll go on to the NFL, but maybe he won't. And what we understand now is the college athlete can have potentially more of an impact at this university, this college, than they've ever had before. Why isn't that a, why is that a bad thing? I don't see that as a bad thing. Kevin Sweeney joined us earlier in the week, Sports Illustrated writer, and talked about how Hunter Dickinson, who played for Michigan, Flat out said, hey, Kansas offered me more money. So I'm going to go play for Kansas. You, for whatever you do for a living, if another job offered you more money and you didn't have to move, you might take it. And hell, if you did have to move, you probably would take it too, depending on how much much more money they offered you. I can't criticize the college athlete for doing things that adults do every single day. And now we're just seeing it out in the open and people are being authentic and transparent about it. Oh, and by the way, I think I should play the past Dabo Sweeney quote that he referenced. Here was Dabo Sweeney, his head coach, back in December 2022 in reference to that Will Shipley quote. Thinking through it, and I honestly, I mean, for me, we we built this program on NIL. We really did. And and I, it's probably different than what you're thinking, though. We, we built this program uh, in God's name, image, and likeness. And that's how I look at it. It's still a little cringe in May 2023. Like Dabo being so out of touch of what the NIL can really mean for college athletics and college sports fans and more. I want to see the NIL continue to do well. I know the Siena Collective is out there and Siena athletes 
have an opportunity to expand for local businesses. I know UAlbany has their situation they've got set up, but it doesn't have to be just the FBS or the Division One athletes. If you're building a brand on social media, it doesn't matter if you play Division Two at the College of St. Rose or D3 at Skidmore or Union or RPI or anywhere else. If you're able to expand your brand and partner with local businesses, you got to make that happen. I always say there are other people who do this, talking to a microphone and host shows for a living who might want to be against an IL. I always find that ironically hysterical where, yes, no one should make money off their likeness or image. That shouldn't happen. But it's Goss here for Mohawk Honda. Like, right, you have to support all this stuff, these athletes getting these opportunities. And speaking about you, Albany, I worked for CBS 6 this past summer, and there's a report out there from Matt Brown at Extra Points that schools like you, Albany, could be in the new college football video game set to be released in the summer of 2024. What could that mean for an FCS program like you, Albany, get the athletes out there, potentially get paid and have a platform for fans across the country to learn more about the Great Danes football program. These are all wonderful things. That's the one thing I've learned about working here in the Capital Region, that college sports and pro sports are neck and neck, and most fans would say they're more of a pro sport than a college sport team. I'm talking about coverage sometimes. You might see a Siena or Albany story lead a newscast or a sports talk show or whatever it might be, a top article, and then the next day back to sports. There's other towns like Syracuse, like Rochester, and others that would always be heavier college than pro. But NIL now as we sit with athletes getting the opportunity to be a part of video games, to continue to make more money, to go on social media, all the opportunities that they're going to continue to have. I'm glad we have more of a perspective now that this has been a positive. And it's only going to improve for not just universities and colleges, but surrounding cities. You're telling me when athletes are making content, they're not going to go to their favorite watering holes, their favorite restaurants and more than if you as a fan of that university or college might not be influenced enough to check it out. Yeah, the business within those respective cities could improve too. two, three years ago. People are screaming that it's the end of college athletics. They'll never be the same again. How can we even look at the sport the same way? Is the transfer portal tough? Yeah. But I'm still watching college sports. Has it affected you that some kid can go out there and give his teammate a lunch now when no one's going to have to yell and scream about it? It didn't make sense years ago when Todd Gurley and Johnny Football were being suspended because they were signing footballs that other people could make money off of. People didn't blink an eye that Caleb Williams was a part of the Disney upfronts this week. Do you imagine in the past if that was so blatant to just have a college athlete say, hey, this guy right here is one of the reasons why we're having success now. This college athlete. So go NIL. Let's continue to have this happen. Let's continue to see this happen for the future and see these college athletes find more ways. And let's bring back the college basketball video game too. Levac and Goss here on Fox Sports 95.9-980. If you're following Levac on social media, today is the day. Today is around the world at Epcot. I just mentioned Disney. He is doing the around the world right now. Please tweet at him at the Jeff Levac. Have him send me a voicemail. Have him set on the free iHeart app. LeVac, let's get your take. We see the pictures and more. Who knows? Maybe Fox Sports 980's Twitter handle might retweet you too. So reach out to him as well. We'll see if we can grab him for the 4 o'clock hour. But coming up on the way, our pal Brady Farkas is going to join us. Talk about the top four at four. Talk about the NBA playoffs, Red Sox, Yankees, and more. We got the play of the day coming up as well. You're listening to LeVac Goss. 
95.9 and 98 Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's back for the Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa with Dr. Fred Dreer. My man, Dr. Dreer. Here's the situation. I was the worst sleeper. I had severe sleep apnea. My snoring was a registered form of torture by, by at least six different sovereign nations. That's how bad my snoring was. My energy level was in the toilet. I was angry all the time. And it all just went right back to the fact that I wasn't sleeping. I just was, the snoring was too much. I would stop breathing in my sleep. I didn't want to do the mask. I didn't want to go have surgery. Luckily for me, Integrative Sleep Center in Boston Spa, Dr. Fred Drew had the answer. It's a custom-made mouthpiece that keeps my airway open. So the snoring is greatly reduced. I don't stop breathing because I'm getting all the air I need. And I don't have that, that compressor engine in the side of the room making all the noise with the mask. It is a win-win, win-win-win. The Integrative Sleep Center with Dr. Fred Drew in Boston Spa, 518-885-6185. They're helping me sleep better. They're going to help you sleep better, too. It's time for the top four at four with Levac and Gaz. The four biggest stories in the world of sports brought to you by our friends at Mohawk Hansa, Mohawk Hansa, where they always go out of their way to please you. We are joined by Brady Farkas. He's back in the four o'clock hour. We love it. We keep asking him back. For some reason, he keeps saying yes. Brady, welcome back. Day three here on the Fox Sports side. I haven't gotten my paycheck yet for the previous two days. It seems What's going as if, you're, on with that? if your connection's cutting out. Wait, what happened? That, I think we'll have to go back. <laughs> That's odd. Uh, story number four. Hopefully, our hey, bo- by the way, yes, by sure, the way, sure. I have to ask. Okay, I have to ask yeah. real quick M- about money. What's the weather like there? It's snowing today in Vermont. Snowing? Yes, snowing today. This type of weather right here in the capital region, I will put up against anywhere. Anywhere in the country. Now, it's a little like mid-50s, I believe. But like when you get a sunny, even a little partly cloudy, 60, 70 degree May through August day, I'll put this weather up against anybody. So I got the long sleeve on right there. No snow, nothing that wild. It was was 36 when I woke up this morning and snowing. 36? All right, what's number four, now that I've derailed you enough? What's number four? Pat McAfee. This has been blowing up the sports world. Hopefully, we won't get a fine from the bosses here talking about another network, but it has dominated the sports world. The former Indianapolis Colt punter is leaving his non-traditional media job and has decided to join the worldwide leader. Pat McAfee, over 5.5 million views on this. This is the lead story on New York Post's sports page. If you don't know his career, McAfee's been interviewing Aaron Rodgers in the past. Basically, that's where Aaron Rodgers announced he was going to become a New York Jet and more, leaving $120 million on the table at FanDuel after two years and joining ESPN. Brady, let's start with the sports side of it. What do you make of Pat McAfee retiring early, and now this is what his life is five years later? Athletes, let's set it up like this instead. Do you see this as potentially the future Athletes retiring early to pursue a media career like McAfee. We'll start there first. No, I do not think it's going to be the norm because I think that McAfee is an outlier. And part of the reason why I like McAfee, and I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but. Get on up on it. No, get on it, Brady. Get on the soapbox. This is the forum to do it. One of the things that bothers me about athletes in sports media is that 
look, man, they get handed these jobs just because they're athletes. Well, meanwhile, you and I, who went to school for it, have trained for it, have done it for a decade, can't get certain jobs because they're all taken by these former athletes. So, yes, I'm jealous. Yes, I'm bitter. And I don't think that a lot of uh, that all of the former athletes in sports media are necessarily all that good. They're just there because their names and because of their experience. And that that bothers me. The thing that's different about McAfee is he's a worker. Like McAfee retired early. I mean, he is everywhere, right? He And he has put himself everywhere. He took the show from nothing on YouTube to what it is now. No, no, Most other athletes are not willing to do that. Like they don't want to work that hard. Most people don't want to work that hard. So no, I don't think that this is the norm. McAfee is, man, man he's on YouTube. He was at Barstool. He was at uh, Sirius XM. He's on YouTube again. He's with, He's got this deal and that deal. He's on wrestling. He's on college game day. Again, he's doing this stuff with Barstool. He, he, no, most people are not willing to do what McAfee has done. Certainly not most athletes who have a bunch of money, you know, usually in the bank. They're like, man, my days of working hard are over at this point. I want a cushy job that I can just show up for and talk. McAfee didn't do that, man. I have a lot of respect for what he's done. It's part of the reason why I like him so much. But no, it's not going to be the norm because I don't know how many people really work as hard as McAfee, if any. That's that keyword there, the norm, right? Like, if I had phrased that question and said, will other athletes attempt to try and do this? Maybe that's a completely different answer because, as you said, some athletes have that work ethic and think they can make it happen that quickly. But it's a completely different forum for them to have success. And that word at the end I had there was success. What do you define as success? That you make a living, that you get to cover it, that you get to talk to your friends. How people define success in their post-career professionally is a whole different thing. To work as your own boss. Success is defined differently by different people. So, yeah, I don't think it will be the norm, but I think some athletes will try this thinking, oh, if Pat McAfee, the punter, can do it, why can't I, the former quarterback or award-winning athlete, do this? It's not like that especially if you don't have a goal in mind. Now, i got to follow up there. We're going to get to number three, but I think the follow-up needs to be asked for people who do this for a living. Do you think the relationship between Pat McAfee and ESPN, two-part, successful slash will work? And you can interpret that question however you want. Um, I think it's going to work because I think Mac- McAfee is a star. And therefore, I think it will be successful monetarily. The question will be, how long will McAfee remain happy for? Because he has said, he's been very clear, that the show is not going to change. Like, the show is going to be the show, and we're going to do it the way we do it, and that was very important to me. At the end of the day, ESPN has shareholders. And at the end of the day, if McAfee says something that upsets them, someone's going to come down on him or come to him, and he's either going to have to bend, which he's not going to like, or he's going to leave which he's not going to like. So I think the question is, is how long can he do the show with total creative freedom with never getting in trouble or never having somebody come into his office, et cetera, or a virtual office at this point. So it will make a ton of money. He will be successful. He will get a bigger reach. People will love it. Um, Will it truly stay as independent as he wants it to and has said that it will? I think that remains the question. Yeah. When the word again, success here, do I think that show will have more success than what was previously in that time slot? Yeah. Do I think him and his buddies and his producers and everything else will make more money? Yeah. So if that's it, that should be the answer. However, there's a third part to this, and you did a great job laying this out a few minutes ago. Since what, 2018? Sirius, Zone, Barstool, CBS, FanDuel. Five? Brady, nobody does that. Nobody. 
does that many outlets that fast ever in this sports world thing, unless they're not doing well, which makes him an outlier too. I give it, I would be shocked if the Pat McAfee show is still associated with ESPN by May of 2026. Like, I don't think it lasts more than three years because what we've seen is that Pat McAfee and that show has a track record of not sticking around and wanting to be independent and wanting everything else. And they are eventually going to tell him what to say. So unless he's making enough money, and I know he just welcomed a child into the world, maybe he's like, you know what? I'll back off. I'm getting the bag, as kids say. I can. We got to re-revolve and evolve and all that other stuff. Fine. Maybe he just changes as a person. But I don't think that's going to happen. Like, there's nothing that I've seen over the last six years that says, oh, yeah, he's going to do it this way now. So, yeah, he loves, by the way, he loves the announcement post. I get that's a part of our gig. Like, you got to get the algorithm, got to beat it, got to cheat. It's a part. I don't think anybody loves the announcement to the announcement uh, up to something seasoned, quite like Pat McAfee. Yeah, I love I love McAfee. I think he's great. But look, he's already changing the show. He already said that he's not going to say the F word anymore. Like, and that, you know, part of the fun of McAfee's show is the relatability of talking like the common man. And he's already changing that a little bit. Now, he says he's going to say all the other things that he says and the swear words are going to be a part of it. I don't quite know how that's going to happen on the television side of things, but the show is already being tweaked just a little bit. We'll see what comes on down the road. Let's move on to story number three here involving the San Antonio Spurs and Victor Webanyama, the big seven foot five Frenchman. Now likely, I mean, we already confirmed it last night heading to San Antonio is the Spurs win the number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. Spurs fans may know this David Robinson, Hall of Famer, Tim Duncan, Hall of Famer, both former number one picks for the Spurs, and now they get the seven foot five Frenchman Webb and Yana. Brian Windhorse, how about you flying out to France to do an interview at two thirty in the morning for ninety seconds? Good for you, Wendy. What do you make of the Spurs now getting what's being called, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the greatest prospect in the history of American team sports? It's good for the Spurs. I forgot the Spurs were in the league the last few years. I mean, like the Spurs. <laughs> have been so irrelevant since Kawhi Leonard jettisoned them. It's good. I like when small markets have big stars, and then we, you know, four years from now, we'll be wondering if Victor's going to end up with the Knicks because that's what we do, right? Is Anthony Davis going to be a Nick? Is Zion going to be a Nick? That's what we do. They go to these small markets, they play well, and then we wonder how long until they're playing for the Knicks, and then the Knicks don't get them. That's the, <laughs> that's the story. That's the story of media. Um I think it's good for the Spurs. I think it's good for Wembenyama because, look, the Spurs have a history with French players. Tony Parker, right? There's a lot of Spurs players in France. Victor, he came out yesterday and said, like, people in France wanted the Spurs to get this. So there's a natural tie in there. He'll have a natural resource in Tony Parker to go to, I'm sure, whenever he wants for anything. So so that's great. I'm happy that it's a small market. I'm happy that they're going to get relevant again. And, man, the Spurs remind me a lot of where I'm at. They're a lot. They remind me a lot of the Patriots. You have a great coach, and everybody acknowledges you have a great coach. But when you lose those star players, even a great coach is rendered very, very ordinary or below average. So Greg Popovich has certainly taken a hit in the last couple of years. He's going to get a chance to rebuild it now. It's one of my favorite sports stories that people of an age don't remember or just don't even know about. That remember after Tim Duncan becomes a San Antonio Spur in that like. 18 month window there of like that 96 97 stretch greg popovich was a front office executive and he fired the head coach and hired himself people forget pop hired himself to sit on the bench and he became one of the great nba coaches of all time 
So it's interesting how and Pat Riley, you know, there's that connection, connected yeah. his own, that he came down from the executive and hired himself to help win a championship in the past. So that's what's interesting about your point there is can he do it again? And how long does Pop want to do it? So a lot of people thought Pop was going to be done three or four years ago if Popovich wants to continue doing this. But I do like that at San Antonio because it makes that Western Conference more interesting. Franchises like the Hornets haven't been back to what people of the 90s want them to be with the cool starter jackets and more. I don't know if Charlotte would have worked. Houston is really rebuilding, but they've had success back in the 90s as well. It's interesting to have it be San Antonio of how that team builds around him and how quickly he says he wants to win in a ring Webiniana ASAP. How fast this guy can really turn things around in San Antonio. All right, let's move on. Bring back, I was going to say, bring back Sean Elliott and Matt Bonner, or uh, Sean Elliott and Matt Bonner. Let's go. (laughs) Story number two involves the Major League Baseball slate of games tonight. We start with the New York Mets. The Mets will be hosting the Tampa Bay Rays. First pitch in that game is set for 7-10. The Boston Red Sox right here on your home for Red Sox baseball, Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. The Red Sox take on the Seattle Mariners one more time, the third game in this series. And the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays continue their series. Garrett Cole on the mound tonight for the Yankees. All right, we got two baseball questions I want to get at. Mariners, Red Sox continue on. The Red Sox stopped their four-game losing streak against your Mariners last night. Game three of this matchup, what stands out to you as the series continues between the M's and the Sox? This is the first one that is a more level pitching matchup, but it's certainly two very different style of pitchers, right? Like the Red Sox blitzed Luis Castillo yesterday, right? They were all over him early, four runs in the first. Marco Gonzalez is a totally different pitcher. Marco Gonzalez is one of the slowest pitchers in all of baseball. You're going to see him. He's going to top out at 91. He's going to live with the change up the curveball. He's going to throw it a lot of the time. So he's certainly a guy that if he makes mistakes, they're going to get hammered. He's also a guy that can frustrate the hell out of you and generate a lot of ground balls to shortstop. I don't know which Marco is going to show up and I don't know what the Red Sox approach against him will be, but the Red Sox have a clear advantage in this game that they didn't have in the other two and that he's immensely more hittable than Kirby or Castillo. And as for Bayo on the other side, Young pitcher, right, going to be prone to walking guys, making mistakes, et cetera. But he dominated the Braves his last time out. I think he went six or seven innings and gave up two runs against one of the best lineups in baseball. He has the ability to carve through this lineup, just like a lot of pitchers have the ability to carve through the Mariners lineup. He's a guy who draws comparisons to Pedro Martinez, stature from the Dominican Republic, has a great changeup, worked on his changeup more with Pedro this offseason. He's going to throw 96, 97 miles an hour. He's going to feature that changeup. If he is in the strike zone, he has the ability to do what pitchers do against the Mariners, which is dominate. So I think this is one that I would sit here and say the Red Sox have the advantage in that they didn't have the last two nights. When it comes to headlines across the AL East, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan, you're sitting back thinking, hey, we were one of the hottest teams in baseball. We finally ended our losing streak. We had lost six of seven, four in a row, and now we're back. Things look to be good. That would be a really good headline. But because of everything else happened in the AL East, that doesn't even stand out because of what happened last night. We led the show off talking about this. And if you missed it, Apple, Spotify, or we can go back and listen to LeVac and Gaz on demand. Domingo Herman, Yankees defeat the Blue Jays, but Herman's tossed after three innings because of the sticky stuff on the hand. Former pitcher, second day in a row, we get to talk about the pitching landscape with you, Brady Farkas. Domingo Herman's ejection. I call it he should get a few games for a stupidity rule. What did you make? of Big Zero getting tossed last night for the Bronx Bombers. 
I wasn't watching it live, so this is kind of like I'm kind of going back now and looking at it. The umpire said it's the stickiest hand he's ever he's ever had, <laughs> like he's ever felt. So it's something going on. You know, like we saw this with Scherzer, right? And I believe Scherzer. He swore in his kid's life. So like I believe Scherzer. I'm not saying that I don't believe Herman, but obviously these guys are trying to push the limit on what they can do, right? Rosin mixed with rubbing alcohol or whatever. Um, I just, bottom line is I don't even care about it from Herman's standpoint. I'm not a Herman fan. It's just a big deal for the Yankees, right? Like the Yankees don't have Rodon. They don't have Frankie Montas. They're missing a lot of their bullpen. Severino is supposed to come back hopefully this weekend, but we're not entirely sure about that. This is just another major league starter who's not out for the Yankees. And when you are in last place, fourth place, bouncing back between the two, you can ill afford to have that. So the Yankees need to be as whole as they possibly can. And they haven't been that. And this is another example of it. So, yeah, it's a big deal. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but it's a big deal that he's going to get suspended. He's going to be out 10 games. And the rule is they can't even replace him on the roster. So they're going to play. A tw- they're going to play with 25 players instead of 26 for those 10 games. And that's a big deal, too. Remember Michael Pineda a few years ago where Pineda's like, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't- his neck. Right. Oh, no, no. I don't have anything. And then Pineda's all over his neck. And he's like the kid who ate the cake. And he's like, no, mom, I didn't eat the cake. Frosting's all over his face. It wasn't that bad, but there's clips now that are going viral of, no, Domingo Herman didn't have anything on his hand while he wipes it off on his belt and on his pants, and it's all completely different colors now. How dumb. That, that's what I've been trying to figure out today. You know every umpire is going to be looking at it. You know every camera in Toronto is going to be looking at something fishy going on because of what happened with Judge and the Blue Jays and the dugout and everything. To go and do that thinking you wouldn't get caught is baffling to me. Here on this. Here is what yeah, I've never. Here's what I've never understood. I've never understood pitchers' need or want for, for for pine tar or anything else because I can tell you confident. I have never once used it, and I've always been fine. Like right, like baseballs are very slippery when they first come out of the package. Anyone of your listeners who's ever played baseball and ever pitched from ages ten through 20 knows that when the umpire pulls a brand new ball out of his pocket and hands it to you, that ball is slick and that ball is tough to throw. But major league baseballs aren't fresh out of the package. They are, they are meticulously rubbed up with special dirt that comes in from Costa Rica to give them a tact. So they're already worn in. So they are already easy to throw. These are not fresh out of the package baseballs. Like I have pitched, my entire life, right? Youth league, high school, college, men's league, doesn't matter. Baseballs that are fresh out of the package are terrible. They're hard to throw. Those are not given to you in major league baseball. So why pitchers feel the need to have this stuff? I just don't get, don't tell me it's about grip. You didn't pitch with this stuff your entire life leading up to the majors. You didn't need it. Then you don't, you got drafted without needing it. You got signed without needing it. You pitched your entire life, just rubbing some dirt on it. The baseballs are far better than you ever grew up with. I don't know why pitchers continue to try to do this. We went so long here, believe it or not, that was still story. Number two, number one is the NBA playoffs game. One last night involved the Lakers and nuggets. We've got game one tonight. Celtics and Heat. Let's break all that down coming up. Brady Park is going to hang with us. We're going to talk about what happened in Nuggets Lakers, what it means for the rest of the series. And if you're a Celtic fan, if you're a Heat fan, we're going to give our take on what we can expect in the Eastern Conference Finals as we get closer Thankfully, and closer. Thankfully, no hockey today. <laughs> Brady Farkas joins us next and continues to roll on here on LeVac and Goss on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. 
We are talking a lot of hoops here on LeVac and Gaz. We got the Western Conference Finals that wrapped up. What an amazing game that was. And we're going to preview a little Celtics heat with our guy, Brady Farkas. He covers the Celtics out in Vermont and New England and everything else. Celtic fate, hang on for a second. We will talk about the big game coming up. South Beach's squad, the heat. But first, let's recap Lakers Nuggets because that game last night, you and I are interesting here in this life cycle. I feel like that's been our theme here in this 415 segment of us aging and becoming more older and experienced. But I'm still struggling here, Brady, almost 24 hours removed from this game. I don't know if I can, in my entire life, 30 plus years on earth as a sports fan, can compare any basketball player to Nicole Jokic. I don't know who he compares to. He was unreal. And if it wasn't a game one, if that was a game six or a game seven, we're talking about that as one of the great performances in NBA playoff history last night. Does he compare to anybody that you can think of in your lifetime? Well, I, I, I'm stealing this from Mike Wilbon, who was on the uh, the ESPN telecast at halftime with Greeny and Jalen Rose. And I hadn't really thought about this stuff until I heard him say it. So I'm going to steal his thought. There's elements of Bill Walton. There's who's who's predates us, but there's elements of Bill Walton. There's elements footwork wise of Hakeem Halajuwon, someone who I do remember watching growing up. Um, not quite as pretty as Hakeem was with the footwork, but you know equally efficient. And then you add in this outside game that's kind of Dirk Nowitzki esque. I mean, he's really just taken the best parts of. Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers and is morphed into this kind of cyborg out there on the court. And I, I disagree. It doesn't have to just be, it won't be as memorable because it was in game six or seven, but in terms of playoff performances, it can still be one of the best, even though it came in game one. Jeff Van Gundy was saying yesterday, this is one of the best basketball games he has ever seen live. And that's a guy you know, in the game for 40, 50 years at this point. So what Jokic did was incredible. Typical NBA. They almost gave it away and everybody makes a run, but ultimately the Nuggets win. They're up one, nothing just like I thought they would. And there's no blame to go on Anthony Davis. There's parts earlier in that game where I'm texting, I'm in the mass text and I'm like, Jokic is eating his lunch right now. But then you got to go back and recap the game. And you think Anthony Davis is an all-star. Anthony Davis is a really good player and not every possession is going to be on him. I don't know if we can blame Anthony Davis. Sometimes the old Michael Jordan against Portland in the 90s, the shoulder shrug, it felt like you got to shrug and be like, what do you want me to do? How can you slow this guy down? Is there at all any blame on Anthony Davis's defensive performance last night? No. I mean, and Anthony Davis, by the way, scored 30. Like, yeah, right. So it's not like one guy got 40 and one guy got 10, okay? It's like Anthony Davis, he... He came as close to balancing it out offensively as you can. Like, hey, I'll give up 30, but I'll score 32. Like, he 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 did his job as far as I'm concerned. What the Lakers have to figure out is, like, pick your poison. Like, what exactly do you want? Do you want to let him go, let Jokic go one-on-one with Davis? And, look, most NBA players can score one-on-one. Like, gifted NBA players score one-on-one. So do you want to let him go one-on-one and let him go for – 46 but try to limit everybody else or do you want to double and then let him make the right pass and kick out to wide open shooters like Jamal Murray and Caldwell Pope Caldwell Pope who had a good game and Porter and Gordon etc like pick your poison because if you want to let him play one-on-one he can get his 46 and you can try to stop everybody else or you can send a double team 
You can go and run different looks at him, and then you can just force him into making the right decision, which so often he does. I wouldn't blame Anthony Davis. And come on, did you see that shot Jokic hit at the end of the third quarter? <laughs> it's like, unbelievable. Just like, like falling back like six feet behind the line, step back from a seven-footer, and Davis is just laughing. That's all you can do. You can't stop that. In that fourth quarter especially, you mentioned that there about the run that the Lakers go on. There is some impressive parts, even though the Lakers for a majority of that game are trailing by double digits. Cool maybe is the adjective I'm going to use, calm, because a lot of younger basketball teams, when they get down 15, 17, 19, it's three-pointers all day long. All right, we got to get back in the game as quick as possible. Let's start launching threes, launching threes. It wasn't that way for the Lakers. Even though they're on the road, they're trailing by double digits, they had a, okay, we're not going to freak out. We're going to come back. Even though they lost, there's something incredibly impressive about the, let's say, professionalism of how the Lakers were able to find a way to claw themselves back in the final few minutes of that game. I don't know. That's just the NBA, guys. Like, I'm not going to sit here and give credit for something that everybody does. Like, I've seen the Celtics blow a zillion games where they're up 25 and end up winning by four or where they're up 16 and they end up losing or they're down 16 and they come back and make it a two point game. This is the NBA. Like this is what happens now. It doesn't happen as often in the playoffs. So, okay, I'll give your point a little bit of credence there. Like, okay, in the playoffs, they stayed disciplined. They didn't try to get it all back in one shot. They didn't bite off more than they can chew. They cycled the ball around and LeBron scored and Davis scored and Reeves scored. And yeah, that's all great. This is what happens in the NBA. The players are too good offensively. Teams make runs and the, the team that's up big oftentimes will let their foot off the gas and then kind of have to resettle. In fact, I'd give credit to Denver for not allowing the snowballing to come and take them over because for the inexperienced team in Denver, you could have easily seen a scenario where they're up 21. All of a sudden, I think Reeves hits a three to get it to two with like three minutes to play. And you're like, uh-oh. They're going to lose this game, but I give them credit that they were the ones who, you know, took the body blows and ultimately didn't fold. I, I don't know. Yeah. Credit to the Lakers. But I'm giving credit to Denver too. After everything that happens in game one, has your opinion before the ball tipped off now changed how you view this series after the Denver W and how that game played out? No, Denver in six. I, I, I just think Denver is a better team. I think they are a deeper team now. Van Gundy was raising a good point about Denver's bench, maybe, you know, needing to step up a little bit, but I just look at it and say that Denver right now has the best player on the floor at this time does not mean that LeBron's not better than Jokic, you know, career wise. Of course he is, but right now Denver has the best player on the floor today. I think they have the best guard on the floor in Jamal Murray. I think they have the ability to play defensively and, Yes, they have an inexperienced head coach, but so do the Lakers. So I think that Denver wins in six. I'll say Denver wins both games in Denver. I'll say that they split in L.A., go up 3-1, and I'll, I'll give them a bad loss in game five on their home floor, and they go close it out in L.A. in six. I'll see them staying five games. Denver wins in five, and L.A. picks up a win game three to get a 2-1, and we'll wonder what it can be. There was something, you mentioned LeBron there. If you were watching on the television side pregame a little bit, they come off the draft lottery talking about Victor Webb and Yana, who we talked a little bit about earlier in the show, the hype around him. But they set it up so that they show the Victor Webb and Yana highlights and 
Oh, don't forget, 20 years ago, this happened with LeBron James and the Cavaliers winning the draft lottery. 20 years ago. The fact that we're still talking about LeBron James as the best player in most of his career, what, 99% of the time, 95% of the time, still being the best player on the floor, even though Jokic was last night. It's crazy to think that LeBron is still in the spot 10-1 in his career in conference finals. And both you and I are leaning towards Denver, and we know people are going to start coming out and the, the Michael Jordan stands and everybody else. No matter what the result may be, if L.A. loses this series, the blame's going to go on LeBron, no matter how well he plays and everything else that's happened here. But there is moments like this where I step back and I'm like, I know Denver's the better team. I know Denver played better. They have the best player on the court. But there's always just LeBron on the court where it makes me double-take and wonder, man, this guy's done it for 20 years and I'm going to pick against him? Does that ever feel that same way to you as a fan where you're like an immediate member where it's like, yeah, but they do have LeBron? Um, I mean, I think having LeBron keeps you in series. Like, I will always say, oh, if you have LeBron, you're never, you never have no chance. But I don't feel bad picking against LeBron because I know that it involves a team. And right now the Lakers feel like two really good players who have significant question marks, right? Like can LeBron at this point in his career go six or seven games, giving you LeBron esque performances. And then can Davis stay healthy enough? And I, I like the bit pieces on the Lakers. I like Schroeder. Like we talked about yesterday and Reeves has proven to be a good find. And Lonnie Walker stepped up in the last series, but I just don't think they're as good as Denver's other pieces. And I don't think there's any shame in that. The Lakers were a team that was in 13th place, you know, with six weeks left in the season. So I think what they've done is incredible. I just more look at LeBron as I'm just more in awe of him because not only is it 20 seasons, it's how many extended playoff runs. I mean, you're talking about X, you know, however many trips to the finals LeBron has, you're talking about second seasons on top of that. How many Olympics LeBron has played in, in short, you know, in short off seasons or giving himself a short off season. I'm like, I would love to go. I, I have not done this. Maybe I'll do this after we get off, but like go through LeBron's basketball reference page and just figure out how many additional seasons he has played in addition to 20, just based on extra games. Brady Fark is joining us here on Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980, talking some NBA playoffs. We're talking Western Conference Finals. Now we shifted over to Boston, Miami. You've covered the Celtics. Yeah. What jumps out to you in this series heading into game one? The Celtics will only be beaten by lack of effort and lack of focus. That's it. The, the, Miami is not as talented as them, and it's it's that simple. And look, Miami's been really fun, and it's the first time that I can remember an NCAA tournament style thing happening in the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs is usually so chalk that it's boring until the conference finals. The Heat have provided something different and and something new, and that has been fun. And I love Jimmy Butler. They're playing with like nine undrafted guys on this team. They're playing without Oladipo. They're playing without Tyler Hero. They don't have the talent that the Celtics do. And if the Celtics allow this series to continue, it will be solely because they have allowed it to continue. Miami can only win this series if the Celtics, you know, aren't invested emotionally and come out listless. If the Celtics come out like they're capable of coming out, like we saw in game six, like we saw in game seven, they are going to roll the heat. Now we have seen the Celtics do this a bunch where they, they do play down to the level of their competition. So I am not saying that it's impossible, 
But if what should happen happens, Celtics win this in five. I'm struggling to find a way on the court. Five on five, roster versus roster, where Miami can have an advantage. But I could have said the same thing about Milwaukee's series against the Heat and the Knicks series against the Heat. Milwaukee, Greek Freak gets injured. And you look back at the New York series, they just flat out weren't better than them. It was pretty quick after game one. You're like, especially game two when New York won and everybody was injured. It's like, oh boy, like the Knicks are not ready or on the level of the Heat all of a sudden when it comes to playoff time. How much, if at all, do you think the coaching of Eric Spolstra can play a difference in this series, especially with you and I both agreeing that talent versus talent, Boston's better. But when you have a guy who's won multiple championships in Spolstra versus the Celtics sideline that's been interesting over the last few years, can that be the biggest advantage if Miami can pull off this upset of what their head coach can draw up? Oh, certainly. I mean, look, Eric Spolstra is a very good coach, and some people will say he's the best coach in the NBA at this point, even over Popovich. So I, I'm not going to put anything past him. And I believe his team, the thing I can say about the heat is I, they're going to come out prepared. And that means they're going to come out prepared from a game plan standpoint. And they're going to come out prepared from an emotional standpoint. They are going to play hard. I have no doubts that Miami is going to play hard. I do have doubts that the Celtics are going to play hard. So I think the heat are going to come out motivated and prepared. The Celtics can overwhelm that with talent if they want to, and they haven't always wanted to. If you're asking me, I'm going to go, I'm going to throw out a, a, a capital region connection here. Ooh. I think the Heat kind of, this sounds so college, but like the Will Brown special, I can't tell you how many years that you Albany would get to the NCAA tournament and they played UConn one year, they played Florida one year, and they played Duke one year. And some of this is before you even got there, guys, but like, when you Albany was a 15 seed or a 16 seed, they were always in these games. Why? Because Will Brown made sure that his team controlled the tempo and he made sure they slowed the pace way down. And you couldn't be overwhelmed by Florida's athleticism if you walked the ball up the court and played in the half court and forced them to play in the half court and didn't allow it to get in transition. And all of a sudden, with three minutes to play, these games are 56-53 instead of 86-53. to I think that's kind of what Miami needs to do could try to take the air out of the ball, take the air out of the building, force the Celtics to be a little antsy, get Jason Tatum to settle for jumpers, which he's been known to do. And all of a sudden we look up with six minutes to play and it is a, you know, it's a fist fight and it's 86, 84 instead of where the Celtics could get it, which is, you know, 110 to, you know, scoring in the 110s. I think that's that sounds very college. It may only work for one game, but it's something I think that would play to Miami's advantage. It definitely would, especially if Jimmy Butler has the opportunity to be aggressive in the fourth quarter. It's a close game and you can find the shooters in the right spot. I think it's a fantastic game plan. Coach Brown, if that works that way, you know where to tweet Brady, by the way. He's calling a shot right now. You can grab that clip and send it to Coach and Boy, I thought the Great Danes had UConn in 06, man. I still remember playing poker with my buddies watching that game thinking that would be the first one, the first well, time well, the 16 we took over the one. Like, what? We were in like ninth grade. You were playing poker with your buddies in ninth grade. We might have been in eighth Yeah, the ninth grade. No. You were playing poker well, in ninth grade. Look, 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 that's March of 06, so that puts me sophomore year. I mean, we're not going to say what the poker game involved. Of course, you can't wager on anything under the age of 18, but... You know, yeah, that was the poker boom. Wait a second. You never got wrapped up in the poker boom of the early 2000s at the Capital Region. It was exploding in central New York. Like, yeah, we were playing poker back then. Yeah, I know everybody was into the World Series of Poker and Norman Chad on ESPN. Norman Chad used to write a column for the Times Union as well. Uh, yeah, everybody's into the World Series of Poker and the uh, 
money maker or whatever phil whatever that guy's name was yeah people were into poker i i, I don't have the patience for it though mostly oh man I feel like you could be good at poker. I feel like if you no, started – No. I have no patience. for Three-card poker at the Saratoga Casino and Raceway. Again, we're not allowed to wager tainment on this show, apparently. <laughs> I keep getting in trouble with that. But that's the only, that's the only poker I like. Three-card poker, Saratoga Casino and Raceway, Rivers Casino. That, that's where I like to be. See, I say that you'd be good at poker, but then I realize you and I have worked our professional careers in radio. And if I get a good hand now, I would show it. Like – I don't have a poker face anymore because I'm so expressive on this side. You forget, oh, there's actually people looking at me now and can see. That's what radio, I, that's my blame if I lose now. It's what I do for a living. Okay. March 06, sophomore yeah. year. Yeah, I guess so. I really thought it was freshman year, though. That's, okay. That's like, they're up by like 15 in that game, right? 17? How high did the league get? Junior, junior year, they got the 13 seed and everybody thought they were going to win and they got blown out by Virginia. Yeah. Remember that UConn team, I believe, had six professional guys eventually on the squad and they got clipped by George Mason in that Elite Eight game. It was an awesome series. But Brady Farkas, we appreciate your insight today. You are back again tomorrow. Talk more hoops to talk everything in the sports world. We will catch you again tomorrow. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate your time as always. No doubt. Before Brady heads off, he's got some love for the Mohawk family. He's a capital region guy. We love Mohawk. I love seeing everybody yesterday. Shout to John in service. Saw our guy Jordan, Nick, and Nate, and everybody helping me get that oil change. They got a lot of construction going on now at Mohawk Honda as well. They're upgrading. You got so many cool things that are on the way this summer at Mohawk Honda. But the most important part is that it's people that you can trust during the car buying experience. If you're looking for that new vehicle like Lydia out in East Greenbush, who Gave some love to Lovac and Goss when she bought that new minivan. We appreciate Lydia showing us some love. Make sure to stop in and work with that great staff from Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna to Brian McKenna, Lindsey Hayden, so many amazing people across the board. MJ, man, love talking to him, chatting up with him as well. So many people that you want on your side when you make that big move. Whether it's the certified pre-owned vehicle, maybe a 2023, maybe Lydia who wanted that minivan, whatever it is, Mohawk Honda will help you find your ride. My pilot's sitting right out here in the parking lot. Cannot wait to drive it over on May 30th, and we're going to be broadcasting live from Glenville. It's Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Play of the day coming up next and more on the way here on Fox Sports 95.9 and 980. You're listening to LeVac and Goss. We've got some breaking news here late in the show involving a local sports story. This is coming from multiple outlets that current Albany Empire owner Antonio Brown has confirmed that he will be suiting up for the Albany Empire on May 27th, the next home game for the Albany Empire. NBC 13, ABC 10. Refs for Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown himself, 13-10 now reporting that Antonio Brown will take the field for the Albany Empire on May 27th. Now, our guy Jeff Levac will be offering some more insight on this coming up, but if you've missed this, we've had this conversation for the first two and a half weeks here on the show. And this was asked way back on May 1st here on the show of, can Antonio Brown actually play for the Albany Empire? How does that happen? Well, within the rules of the National Arena League, that was not allowed. Have the rules changed? Has Chris Siegfried decided to bend the rules for the all-pro wide receiver, formerly the Pittsburgh Steelers? It had been said 
that that's not allowed. An owner just can't show up and walk on the field. And we've known before that Antonio Brown, over the course of the last few weeks, has said some things to the media that have proven not to be true. And in Antonio Brown's mind, he does think they're true. This goes back to when he claimed he was the 100% owner of the Albany Empire, and at that point, it wasn't true. Mike Corda had owned more of the Albany Empire than Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is still claiming he owns 100% of the Albany Empire, which, again, has not been true. We've seen local media outlets cover that Charlotte and Stephon Schiller still own 5% of the team. But now he's just claiming he's going to play. Okay. Do I think that Antonio Brown will find a way on the field? Like, if I had to put money on it right now, I know we've got the play of the day coming up. But if you told me, guys, do you think at some point between now and the end of the NAL season, which usually wraps in mid-August, that Antonio Brown will put on a helmet and shoulder pads and cleats or whatever, turf shoes and run around and make some plays? Yeah. I think the answer is still yes. Because, like, what if you were Chris Siegfried? What if you are the commissioner? We can bash him all we want over the last few days that he was maybe play too much to Antonio Brown. There have been stories in the media of how he was acting, whether it's partying with college students over the past few days or saying things that he shouldn't be saying on social media and more than made the league not look to be in the best. But Commissioner Siegfried probably looked around and said, is this going to make us money? Are we going to get national attention? How can this help my league? More people are talking about Antonio Brown in a positive light today than before. And there are probably some football fans here in the Capital Region who have been waiting for this moment. What would you do if you were Antonio Brown? Because we've done the who is Antonio LLA stuff when LeVac's been here. You've seen the constant bashing on social media. And for one, I haven't disagreed with much of that bash because of the ways he's handled this as an ownership situation and the demands and everything. We've covered that a lot. But that's already now in the past. That's already two weeks ago. That's old news. So if less fans plan on coming to Albany Empire Games, the whole roster has been released. Coach Damon Ware has been fired. Coach Tom Manas has been fired, then rehired. This can be the biggest local sports story, which it's been in 2023. What would you do if you were Antonio Brown and you knew you had a following? You know you had multiple millions of people on Instagram and Twitter following what you were saying. Hey, our business is losing money right now. What's the quickest and easiest way for us to make money for people to talk about the league and potentially get to more fans and seats? Uh, me playing? Yeah. Isn't that the pitch to Siegfried, the commissioner? Hey, Kamish, I got an idea. I want to suit up. I want to play. I'm intrigued. I think some people who have not followed the Albany Empire since they came back in, what, 2018? Are more intrigued today than they ever have been about arena football in the NAL. That's no disrespect to the last two championship teams. Please don't swing that around and say, oh, guys, is taking shots at the 2021 or 2022 teams. That is not a shot at all. 
Because if you're an Albany Empire fan, you've been an Albany Empire fan. You've watched the great players come through, whether it's the days of Malachi Jones and Sam Castronova and the late Mo Ruffins and everybody else. If you've been following the team, you've been following the team, and you know the success it's had. But the difference here with Antonio Brown suiting up potentially, if it happens, maybe as soon as the 27th of May, that somebody who has never followed the team now has an interest in the YouTube broadcast. Now might buy a ticket. Now might be like, hey, I got to see this happen. I'm a big fight sports fan. And two of the most polarizing people in the fight game have been over the last decade plus Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And hell, you could toss the Paul brothers in there now because they're making a ton of money in the fight game, whether it be the WWE or boxing. I cannot believe I, not yet. I'm not going to put Antonio Brown in that category yet, but the same points remain to be the same. There are going to be some people who want to tune in to watch Antonio Brown dominate and talk trash and be the entertainment style that it is. Whether you find that the right way, whatever that term means for entertainment or not. And there are going to be some people, you don't have to admit it publicly. We have our microphone on our iHeart app. There are going to be some people who want to see Antonio Brown get laid out. Just like some people want to see Floyd Mayweather get knocked out and Conor McGregor get knocked out because they talk too much trash. They wanted a fighter to take care of him and knock him out inside the ring. There are going to be fans here locally who want to see Antonio Brown get laid out going over the middle. There's an entertainment point of this. I am going to continue to dig and call and text and find out if the rules have been bended or if Antonio Brown is just saying things out of turn again. It is going to be an interesting show tomorrow for sure. And don't forget, before 3 o'clock hits, just because we're from 3 to 5, LeVac and guys, doesn't mean the opinions stop, the takes stop. You can follow us on Apple Spotify, on our Twitter page at WOFX980 as well. Facebook, all different ways to follow the show. Uh, it's time for our play of the day. If you're an investor in sports, we love giving you some picks for the day. That's brought to our friends at, brought to you by our friends at Mohawk Chevrolet. Our pick for the night, we're going NL Central. We're going some baseball picks tonight. A St. Louis Cardinals-Milwaukee Brewers game that gets underway at 745. This is about as even as it gets. That's right. Depending on what sportsbook you're using, it is a true coin flip. I'm going under. Colin Burns. Excuse me. Corbin Burns. See, I was going to make a point about how you might have forgot that Corbin Burns won the Cy Young in 2021. And before I can even make my point, I call him Colin. Under eight runs. Brewers, Cardinals, Corbin Burns on the mound, Matthew Libertor on the mound for the Cardinals. All right, Gavino and Rich is on the way next. It's Levan Gaz here on Fox Sports 95, 9 and 980.